being humble is actually a toxic trait. Interesting. What do you mean by that? So where is that? Where do you get that from? Welcome to Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. And in this show, I interview professionals of all different kinds, whether it be corporate stars, business owners, or entrepreneurs, and talk a little bit about what's allowed them to be so successful in their space. Today, my guest is Dr. Kevin Melendez. Kevin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's yeah. really an honor. This is a first, so I appreciate you. You told me that you had a little experience kind of being on the other side, doing some podcast interviews, but first time on this side, I'm glad to have you. More on the uh, the interviewer side, so yeah. it's actually pretty cool to be on this side. Today. Absolutely, man. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to get into it. Thank you. Let's do it. So you are a physical therapist with your own practice, and we'll kind of get to how that all came to be eventually here, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really interesting just getting into that because you've been able to do it from a younger age than most are able to do it. And you have a very unique backstory that goes way back into your early life. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Very early and uh, very grateful to have the opportunity to kind of share that. You know, it's like weird. There's a lot of like, man, like, am I really about to share? But I'm looking forward to it. I'm really am. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the best place to start would be kind of how you grew up playing sports. We talked about this a little bit off air. You played sports from a young age and that kind of gave you your entry point into the space. Yeah, man. Sports has been huge for me. Uh, It actually kind of starts at a very young age. Whenever we would spend time with my father, he used to be obsessed with these sport documentaries. So back in the day, he used to have all these VHSs of Michael Jordan, Larry Bird. Um, Have you seen The Last Dance? Of course. Yeah, that one's fantastic. Epic, epic. Made you realize, like, wait a minute, man, he was different. He was really different. (laughs) (laughs) But he used to, a lot of times we used to watch these, uh, he would pop them in, we would watch them. I was really fascinated with the storytelling side of things. So you realize the best documentaries of these sport figures were the ones that had these really big roller coaster type lives, right? Yeah. So they had really kind of difficult moments of their life and you really were bought in during those moments and you want them to get better and and then they did and you were kind of so I love the the storytelling of how metaphorically like the idea of sports has a real direct parallel to life. I love that. Wow. Yeah. That's I've never heard that perspective of it before, but it really is like that. It's like the the full story arcs. You'd really get hooked, especially like in The Last Dance, for example, when it's just talking about how they're trying to overcome like the loss that they had to the Detroit Pistons yeah. before they come back and they come back with a chip on their shoulder. And the one of the things that struck me the most about that documentary in particular is he always played like someone was out to get him. Yeah. Like he always felt like someone was out to he get him. He took everything. 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 And my brother and I, because my brother used to, you know, uh, shout out to Michael Melendez, but he used to, um, we used to watch them together. And my favorite thing was those obstacles they had to overcome made the documentary better. So every time in our lives that we went through something hard, been through some, some difficult times, we would just tell each other at a very young age, I'm talking five, six, seven years old, hey, it's just making your movie better. Yeah. Like that's literally what we would tell each other. And it's crazy to hear like Joe Rogan recently was like, hey, live your life as if somebody's filming a documentary of you. That's right? awesome. And when he said that, I was like, you took that. Like, I was so like, I was like, yeah. you took that from us. No, I was, I, it was really cool to hear that he actually put that out there because that's literally what we, we've been doing since like five, six years old. That's an awesome perspective. Just like whenever you're going through a hard time, just thinking it's making this is going to teach me something and make my movie better. Mm-hmm. 
That's cool, man. So you kind of grew up watching these sports documentaries, and yeah. that kind of made you want to play sports yourself. My dad played football. My mom was a cheerleader. She played volleyball. My family was really big in sports. So sports has always kind of been in our life. Like, we've, we're diehard, like, Dolphin fans, Miami fans. I'm from Miami, so Miami Heat fans. And um, so it's always been in my life. And then the transition of why I got so obsessed with sports was how it was a direct way of me being in this weird area where I can constantly be better, right? Yeah. Like if you look at my my sport is basketball, you know, mm-hmm. majority, and basketball is an imperfect sport. Like, it is literally the definition of an imperfect sport, right? Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time, and he shoots 45%. Right. Right? So it, every day you have a chance to get a little bit better. You're never going to be perfect, but it's like, oh, I have something. There's always I, something to strive for. Yeah, so you wake up with a purpose. Right. Would you say you have that perspective about like your entire life and your career is like you're never going to be perfect, but you're always striving to just get a little bit better every day? 100%. I, I, I truly believe that happiness is in progress, not perfection. I love that. I completely agree. It's it's kind of falling in love with the journey, yeah. not the destination. And if I see myself getting close to my goal, quote unquote, it's like, all right, let me push that. Yeah. Right? Because I, yeah. I don't want perfection. Like you know, where can I go? Where can I go? Where can I go? Well, I've heard examples of like an author that has some breakout best-selling book or something like mm-hmm. that. And all of a sudden this big thing happens in their career and they just get this like post depression almost because wow. they're like, Oh, I, I did the thing. Like, what do I do now? So I think it's good to just keep kicking the goal down the road and like always have something to strive for. hundred percent. And and when it comes to, so that's what kind of led me to be to more basketball, which is, it's interesting. Cause I'm, you know, I'm not the tallest person. I'm five, seven, five, eight on a good day. And I chose basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. I think intuitively it was because, oh, it put me even more behind the, the eight ball. Right. Like, right. Oh, OK. This is more difficult. This. A longer journey of progress. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I didn't think about it then. Like, obviously, I look at it now as like, oh, I was doing it. I was doing it subconsciously. Yeah. Like, OK. It was just something that you had seen in those documentaries and kind of like been a formative experience for you. Yes. So you get into sports early, and from there, what were the kind of early years of sports like for you? Hey, man, I was good. Yeah, I was good. I was I was a good basketball player, man. Based like, on the mentality you're describing, I oh, I was I, I was good. Bet. I was good. Um, and it's it's I'm learning that. Uh, and I wouldn't have said that like maybe like a year ago. I'd be like, mm-hmm. I was all right, but like uh, I'm learning that like humility, like being humble, is actually a toxic trait. Interesting. What do you mean by that? So where is the, that? Where the, do you get that from? I, I learned it from uh, Russ had come out with a book. Okay. And I read it. I, I, it was an audio book. So I read it or listened to it. And uh, by the way, do you, is <laughs> listening to an audio book, is that considered reading a book? This is a good question. I go back and forth on this. <laughs> no, like, I, I do too. I would love to say yes, but I think there's something different about like reading and reading. Yeah. I think I wouldn't say it's considered reading a book. I would consider it almost more like listening to a podcast. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that being said, I do it because so, I, a lot of times I just don't have time or like the patience to sit down and read a book anymore. I used to love to growing up and like, yeah, would do it all the time. Like was just always reading, but now I'm just on the go all the time. It's like, I only really have time for audiobooks. Yeah. I would say I don't consider it reading a book, but I do consider it very great. So when someone's like, how many books have you read this year? Are you like, uh, how I've That's listened good. to? Maybe like, you can consider it like a half book. Half book. <laughs> yeah. You counted in halves. Yeah. If you, that. if you listen to two audio books, you read one book. I love it. I yeah. Love it. I, I'm going to take that. I'm going to use that. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so I listened to, uh, so I listened to an audio book and Russ had said that and I was like, and I had the same reaction. I said, wait a minute. And if you look up the definition of humble, it is to think you're less than somebody else. Hmm. Right. So you act as if you're less than somebody. Gotcha. Right. And it's and it's and we're taught that like we're taught that that's actually like a good thing. Mm -hmm. Right. 
we don't realize how psychologically that puts you at a real disadvantage, right? If you look at all the successful people, there's a difference between arrogance, right? And mm -hmm. there's a difference between confidence. And so I have this kind of like weird thing where like by nature I'm humble and humility because mm -hmm. that's the way I was raised, right? But now I'm starting to like, I want to be humbly confident. Like, like Yeah, yeah, humbly confident. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, because confidence comes from just keeping promises to yourself. Like, Ooh, yeah. Arrogance comes from lying about the things you do, right? Damn. Like you're trying to convince yourself you did something. That's a good delineation right there. Mm -hmm. I like that. Con you said confidence comes from keeping promises to yourself. Yeah. And arrogance comes from lying to yourself. About the things that you've done. Lying about the things that you've done. Yeah. That's awesome. Probably be a clip. Yeah, I'll take it. But <laughs> it's really too. It's been that's probably been a, a big game changer. So with sports, you know, that was good. You mm -hmm. know, and uh, just like anything, or when it came to my high school years, so I was really good going into you know elementary, middle school, and then high school came, and that's when the injuries came in. Right. Yeah. So what was your first injury? Uh, it was actually spring football practice. I was fourteen. Mm -hmm. oh, man, I'll never forget this. It's early. Oh my gosh, it was. It was frustrating. So it's so it spring football. Shout out to East River High School. So is that freshman year? Going into sophomore year. Going into sophomore year. Okay. Going into sophomore year. And uh, we had run. I would play running back. And we had done a quarterback says hut. We had done a screen to the right. He, he doesn't throw it to me. I was wide open, right? He doesn't throw it to me. The coach goes off. He really? stops to play. The defense is listening. He's like, how dare you? He's right open. You need to, you need to realize that you read, blah, blah, blah. He goes, we're going to run the same play to the opposite side. Oh, no. The defense hears him say this. Oh, no, no. I can see where this is getting set up. I remember, look, I was like, are you kidding? I was like, oh, <laughs> man, come on. All right, well, I got to do it, Yeah. right? So I run this screen. He lobs it. It was kind of a high lob. I catch it. I make the first guy miss, and then I have two linebackers just put their helmet right to my, run to the front of the shoulder and run to the back. So, Ooh. Yeah, mind you, those two linebackers ended up playing D1 football. Sheesh. Right? So, like, I remember it, it's sublux. So, subluxation is when it comes out and comes right back in. Mm. All right? So, it's not a full dislocation. So, if you look at a full dislocation, it comes out and kind of – and and it and it, it doesn't have the ability to come in. So, kind of either you get a posterior or anterior dislocation, but it goes all the way out and the bone doesn't allow – the shoulder joint doesn't allow it to come back in. Okay. Okay. So, I we were talking about this a little off air. I guess what I had was a subluxation. Yes. Okay. It's like stretching a, a rubber band, but mm -hmm. it, but the rubber band is still strong enough where it's it, it snapped it right back. Gotcha. Okay. Right. So that's what happened. A subluxation came right back. But I could, I remember like just laying there and, be, and just <laughs> my my friend like my best friend Rosa he comes running. He was like, "Hey, get up!" And I'm like, "I can't. Like I can't, I don't I can't." Yeah. And then I, that's when I that's when I had injured my shoulder the first time. Yeah. So you get that subluxation, uh, and what was the road to recovery like from that? For in, you? It was interesting. I, I went to PT for mm -hmm. the first time. Right. And uh, believe it or not, I'm, I I did what we had talked about a little bit off camera. Uh, physical therapy is a form of medicine, mm -hmm. right? It's through movement, is is and exercises and things like that. Is what it's what is the premise of it? Do you have a good definition of physical therapy, by the way? Like like your personal definition? My personal definition is physical therapy is a form of medicine to allow someone to functionally move better in the things that they want to do in their life. Love that. Right. Awesome. So, because there's so many avenues of how that can play. Sure. Yeah. Right? This profession of physical therapy can go from an acute hospital, right, mm -hmm. to an outpatient uh, outpatient, from an inpatient to women's health to orthopedic. Like, there's so many avenues. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's all about how can we make this person that's in front of me move better. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Um, so I had gone to physical therapy, but I didn't finish. Like we talked about, I didn't finish. If physical therapy is a form of, of medicine, if you compare it to like an antibiotic, if you don't take the full amount. 
then it you know it can it cannot work right mm-hmm. there's the ways that it, it maybe it doesn't work as well as it should have you could kind of fall back into the same patterns as before or yeah. the same injury yeah and there's a reason why there's like so many testing measures to say okay this person's ready to go back right mm-hmm. return to sport so i didn't fin- like i started to feel better and uh, we didn't know any better. My mom was like, all right, maybe I'll, it saves me a couple of trips from, you know, from going to therapy. He's already feeling mm-hmm. better. Like, like, you know, he'll go back. And then fast forward. So in that next probably seven months later, basketball season came. We were playing against Winter Park. Humbly. No, I'm not going to be humble. I, I think I had like 14, 15 points in the first half against Winter nice. Park. And I went for a steal, I think it was. A steal. And then my shoulder came out. But this time it came out fully. Oh, uh, the full dislocated. dislocation. Wow. And I knew it was bad because it was one of those where, like, everyone in the crowd kind of goes, <gasps> Yeah, know, like that kind of thing. See it and everything. Yeah, like yeah, it was disgusting. You know, yeah. like, I'm wearing a tank top. So every, you can really see, like, my entire, my entire like, yeah. you know, shoulder, you know. And you out. can't push that back in. So this is the thing. You can if you know how to. Okay. So it was out. Mm-hmm. And then in front, in front of the entire, and my high school teammates, well, well, they, they were there, so they can attest to this. I pulled and yanked it back in. Because you knew how to do it, I some I, yeah I knew how to like, do it. I forgot yeah. why I knew how to do. it. I think I just I'm a cur- I'm curious by nature. By the yeah. way, like, that's probably my biggest like superpowers. I just mm-hmm. I'm curious. I I get that from you. Just like talking about all the different things that you're into, like you kind of dive deep into yeah. things. Yeah, I've always been like that as a kid. Like drove my mom crazy, but that, I'm just like that. I love that, and uh, so I think I found out how to do it because I was like, mm-hmm. if this ever happens again, I you know, or this ever. So I found out, and uh, so I put it back into place. And it's also because I wanted to keep playing. Yeah. Right. So I ended up going back in. I played for like three minutes, and I and I was like, I'm actually not doing anything for my team. This yeah. Is really so I come out, and uh, the, my favorite part about the story is we were playing against Winter Park, which Austin Rivers played for Winter Park. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Someone was just telling me they uh, ran into him at like an LA Fitness the other day. Wow. Yeah. Now, yeah. Man, shout out to Austin Rivers. He, you know, he. He was a legend in the Orlando kind of community for, for basketball. So, um, you know, yeah, thank you for putting I can it. only imagine playing against him like in high school. As oh, well. so fun. Quickest yeah. first step I ever played played with. Really? Played okay. against. Yeah, quickest first step. Wow. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so so his dad had come to see him. So mm-hmm. Doc Rivers, you know, Doc Rivers. Uh, of course. NBA coach. And he was there watching the, the, the game. And, and the after the game was over, he and to this day, like, Doc, like, I appreciate you, like, straight up, because he had no reason to do this. Mm-hmm. No reason. I am... The game was over. I have a nice pack on my shoulder. I'm just sitting down, kind of head down, right, mm-hmm. by myself. He, Everyone's trying to take photos with him, whatever, whatever. He goes out of his way. He walks up to me, and he goes, hey, you were playing great before you got injured. I look forward to seeing you get back on the court. That's awesome. Had no reason to do that. I didn't know him. He had no idea. I'm a random I'm a random person. Yeah. Right? And, and so I, I just remember being like, man that's cool all right let's yeah go. let's go yeah just got you hyped yeah yeah i was like on. let's get started so hey let's go to pt yeah right? so i ended up going to see an orthopedic surgeon mm-hmm. he was like hey this is exactly what he said he goes it's not going to get any worse so you can do two things we had nine games left in the mm-hmm. season he goes you can either get it fixed now or you can wait till the end of the season and we'll get it fixed then okay i'm competitive yep so you got it fixed right there no no i said because the process of, of recovery is, you know, can be four to six months, right? Oh, so, okay. So I said, okay, I'll wait for the end of the season. So nine games went by in every single game. 
Mm-hmm. My shoulder would dislocate and I would put it back in. I didn't know. Oh my God. So that exact event that happened at Winter Park, would I did it for the rest of the nine games. I just didn't know whether it was going to happen the first game, of the first play of the game, or it was going to happen in the end of the fourth quarter. Oh, my God. So you would just stay out the rest of the game once it happened? Once it happened, yeah, I had to stay out. Oh, my God. So that was the deal that I made with my, with my coach, right? I was yeah. like, hey, like, let I'll me play. Until it comes out. Until it comes out, I'll sit out. That's insane. Right? Yeah, so I did that, and then I and then I uh, I got the surgery, went to therapy, and then my shoulder's been and I finished the entire therapy, and my shoulder's been absolutely incredible since then. There you go. So right off the bat, you just have this incredible experience with physical therapy. Yeah. It like completely fixes you, and does at that point we'd kind of talked about this off air a little bit, but you kind of like immediately realized that you wanted to do physical therapy pretty much right fell in love with it at that point yeah yeah, and a shout out to my physical therapist at that you know who took care of me um i fell in love with it i was like wait a minute you guys do exercises and you know properly dosed and and, you know so on and so forth and get to build a rapport with your patients like you know Mm -hmm. you're spending 45 minutes to an hour with these people every you know two to three times a week yeah you build a relationship so your job my my your that person who who was, who was building a relationship mm-hmm. and I found that so amazing. Right. And, um, you know, there came a, you know, I guess at that age, you think of the status of it. Oh, and you guys are doctors. It's freaking cool. You know, mm-hmm. like that, you know, that, you know, all right, cool. Cause I, I love educating. So, okay. Oh, that means I have to, I'm going to be in school a little bit longer. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I like learning. So, yeah. um, so it gave me that, like I fell in love with the, with the fact you build relationships, the customer service side of things and, and you get better through exercise. Like I, yeah. this is what I love. Like, this is a no-brainer. And it's around sports, which is your passion. Oh, my God. I was like, this is a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. And it saved money. Uh, it also helped save my – I saw my – my like, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Right? If it, I could have gotten injured again. I could have if, – if if I didn't finish the physical therapy, I probably might have – and kept playing sports. It wasn't properly checked. I could have had it again because the number one sign for injury is history of injury. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. It's a lot easier to get a re-injured than – injured in the first place yeah so after my after i had physical therapy for that first time that's when i started i would i would do observation hours since then so i would tell my mom hey mom can i go can i go twice a week to just go watch and observe mm-hmm. right this is i didn't even know this is a requirement actually to be able to get into to pt school right but uh, you knew you wanted to do I it i want to do I, was, I just wanted to be around it mm-hmm. i just wanted to be around it so you're like 14 years old and you just start basically shadowing mm-hmm. physical therapists at clinics and like learning the craft from that young of an age because yep. you already know you want to do it. And then um, kind of fast forwarding a little bit, I know we talked about off air, mm-hmm. you actually had another injury. Yeah. So I learned that injury is the, I've always been a, and this I think goes back to the idea of what do we know what to do? We know that if we want something, we work hard, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Well, all right, let me, okay, let me, I'm a reverse engineer kind of guy. Yeah. Right. So I look at where I want to go and I go, okay, how do I get there? Mm-hmm. Right. All right. I got to work insanely hard. I got to shoot this many shots. I got to do X, Y, Z. I got to do it. Like I got, I got really like crazy. Okay. So my schedule when I was 16 years old and also your junior year is your most important year when it comes to getting scholarships. Right. Yeah. Right? That's getting, very true. Your eyes. So my, my, my probably from like June to October. Mm-hmm. My schedule was I, was this: I would wake up at five o'clock. I, we had uh, I was fortunate enough to go to the gym before school started to get shots up. That's right? awesome. Yeah, my coach and so I would get shots up for about an hour. I would go to school, but you know, go to school, and then after that, I ran cross country. So I'd run mm-hmm. about eight to twelve miles a day. Wow! Right, and then after that, I would do homework and then go play basketball for about two to three hours, 
And then I worked at our neighborhood gas station from 8 to 12. Holy shit. Right? And then I did that for about from, from, from June to from October. Wow. Yeah, to get ready. Yeah. What I realized and, and, and is uh, there's also a thing called working smart. Mm-hmm. And I had no concept of what recovery was. I had no idea. I only knew, hey, if something hurts, push through it. Yeah. If, if this, oh, I don't know what to eat. I didn't know what to what, what proper recovery was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, oh, my, my back is starting to hurt, but I just got to push through it. You didn't know you needed to rest a little bit sometimes. Yeah, or like what what is properly, what is, okay, basketball is a quad dominant sport. Maybe I should work on my hamstrings a little bit more, Mm. right? You know, you don't know those kind of things. You you don't. So I just worked really, really hard. And then my came basketball season, tryouts come. Um, Fortunate, I was fortunate enough where I I told my coach, hey, I'm starting my back. Like, actually, I missed states for for cross country. Mm. Okay. Because my back started to hurt. I was like, hey, something's going on with me. Like, something's going on. So I missed states. Wow. Yeah, I was pissed. I was pissed. I had ran I, my my mile. My average mile was five hundred three. Mm-hmm. Oh jeez. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So I was I was I was pissed. But so uh, I missed that. And then trials came. I was fortunate. My coach was like, "Hey, we need you for the season. Like, just sit out. You're good." Mm-hmm. Right. I go, "Okay, bet." First game. I miss practices. First game comes. It come. Uh, I wake up. I can't feel my legs. I was like, I Ooh. I will never forget. I I remember. I was like. I just started yelling. Yeah. I just started yelling. Mom, mom, I, I can't, I can't. And next scene, and then a little bit, my mom came, kind of rub my legs, rub my legs, and then finally I felt like felt my toes. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not paralyzed, but I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Right. I went to orthopedic specialist, and he said, yeah, you severely herniated your L1, L2, L3, and he was like, you know, that's why you kind of had that ridiculous symptoms down your leg. Mm-hmm. Um, now looking back on it, uh, but he. He told me that, and he was like, yeah, you're not playing this season. Yeah. Mind you, think about what I just did from June to October. Like mm-hmm. a 16-year-old kid who no one was telling him to do this. I was doing it, right? Yeah. I was I was, I was Devastated. Devastated. Sure. Yeah. Devastated. And and I was also in pain. So for, for the next, you know, eight months, like, you know, six to eight months, I was in pain in school. Like, mm-hmm. genuinely, like, I couldn't, like, it was... That was the, like there's so many stories of like me laughing and all you would like me if like say I'm in class laughing, mm-hmm. right? And my friend Felix still tells me about this. Like I would laugh, but you wouldn't see my like trunk move. It would just be my legs. Right? Whoa! Because I was like I couldn't like. You're just like terrified. <laughs> yeah, of I was so movie. terrified. I was wow. terrified. Yeah. Jeez. So you got this just like season ending mm-hmm. injury to your back, yeah. and I guess that brought you back to physical therapy, obviously. Yeah. So so they wanted to do surgery. Orthopedic surgeon mm-hmm. was like, "Hey, we got to we got to do like 16 years old." He was like, "We have to do surgery." Yeah. I was like, "Um, I don't know what intuition or whatever," but I was like, "I'm 16. Why am I doing back surgery?" Like, and you had gotten deep into physical therapy already. I had already observed, it. right? I was already observing. I had mm-hmm. I had that like, wait a minute, like. They're kind of saying you don't need to from time to time, blah, blah, blah. Well, what if I try it? You know, so I told my mom, hey, mom, ask him if I can do physical therapy. Yeah. I bet. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, and fast forward eight, nine months later or 12 months later, um, I played my June, my senior year and, and got offered a couple a couple uh, division three, division two scholarships. Awesome. Yeah. So you had like made the full recovery without the surgery and. How did that feel just like coming out of that having like proven them wrong when they said you need a surgery to make this happen But you just you did it through physical therapy What it made me realize was if I wasn't a curious person Which is or if I didn't have that level of whatever it was like exposure to the to the field um, I would have just done what the doctor said. Mm -hmm. I would have done what the surgeon said, right? And there's time there's time and place for surgery. There's a hundred percent. I got shoulder surgery I'm 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 proof of that, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, the way that I always kind of explain it is 
um, a cook is going to like to cook, mm-hmm. right? A chef likes to, likes to cook. A painter likes to paint, mm-hmm. right? An artist likes to create music or, or whatever. A surgeon's going to like to do surgery. Yeah. So they're going to suggest it right, right off the bat. Now, there's a time and place when you have to get a good meal. So you're going to, or like a chef, right? There's a time and place when you want a nice painting or a nice song, right? There's a time and place when you do need surgery, mm-hmm. right? Physical therapy, they like to do exercise and move, mm-hmm. right? So even that in itself is like, okay, I align with that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean there's a time and place when that's not appropriate, very little, very, very small amount of time, but there are a time and place when that's not appropriate. Yeah. All right. Oh, we do have to get surgery. Mm-hmm. But so that's how I aligned with like it made me realize like, oh, there's a, there is a business side of to it. Yeah. Right. I would have been a I would have I would have profited him business wise. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would have just done it without like what. OK, I got to do it. Yeah. Right. So, so you just realize like. It's it, they're going to suggest it to you no matter what but you you had kind of done it this alternate route and that was physical therapy for you and that kind of i'm sure just reaffirmed that this is the thing for you yes it was alternate options that's the best way Mm -hmm. to put it like most people when they think of the surgery when that happens like oh this is what is this is what i have to do Mm -hmm. no there's 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 alternative things you can do and that's got to be empowering too just being able to offer that alternative option to someone that's probably another thing that kind of like draws you to physical therapy 100 percent. and the biggest thing i tell people is like it's funny like let's say um say somebody if somebody has shoulder issue Mm -hmm. right let's try if you try pt first of all you go through an appropriate assessment and differential diagnosis to realize like okay it's actually appropriate to get physical therapy right yeah you come in and it's not appropriate okay yeah we need to refer you to where you need to go that's what makes us a doctor is that we can differentially diagnose Right, you come in, we do a, a, a very thorough, you should do a very thorough evaluation to figure out, okay, this is musculoskeletal related. It is muscle, bones, ligaments, tendons, which are the things that we can help. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's not, oh, you do have a fracture, you do have, you know, or those kind of things, okay, you do need you do need to go where you need to go. But if you if you have if you do physical therapy, mm-hmm. right, and you get better, great. Even if you have surgery, guess what you're gonna do afterwards? Physical therapy. You're gonna do physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Right. So you not by doing it before it, it, you save yourself time and money. Yeah. You right. just cut to the chase. Cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that's one thing that I, I love about it. So you so you kind of go through this experience like it's you're even more reaffirmed in the physical therapy mm-hmm. and by this point you've gotten offered a couple scholarships mm-hmm. and it's time for college. So did you end up taking any of those scholarships or did you just decide no I'm going all in on physical therapy. I decided I'm going all in, all in on physical therapy. I was fortunate enough to also get, you know, academic scholarships and and um my and I remember having a discussion with like my I think it might have been like my grandparents, mm-hmm. like my mom or grandparents and and they were like we're just tired of seeing you hurt. Yeah. Like you can go do something with your brain like I said okay. Yeah. You know, that's fair. You know, and at that point, just I was some sage wisdom from the grandparents. Hundred percent. But at that point, I also had this like weird relationship with basketball. Like mm-hmm. I was, I, it was, a, it was a, you know, I say relationship because it had been there all my life. So like we, I it, like first love. You know, like, like I was frustrated with it. Yeah, I was very frustrated with it. Hey man, how can you? How can, how dare you do this to me? You know, like it was weird. Like I put in so much work, so much effort, and you, and and I'm, you're always hurting me. You know, exactly. like it didn't make any sense. Like I was so frustrated. So at that time, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take, take a step a away. Break. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go do the, the college thing. Yeah, and live a college life. You know. So you go straight into it, and you know physical therapy right off the bat. What does that process look like, kind of throughout undergrad? So I knew going in, I was like, okay, I, I knew the process. Mm-hmm. So the process is you go get your you get your undergrad, 
right? You apply, you can either decide to apply your senior year, which allows you to get in, because you apply and then you get in pre, the next cycle. So, right. so if it's senior year, you'll start to write, write off rip. Mm-hmm. I knew that I kind of wanted to do a little bit of a, uh, not a gap year, mm-hmm. but I wanted a break to get me ready for the, like the master's kind of full in part of it, the just the demands of a PT school, and right. I had been, and I went away to USF to Tampa, so I mm-hmm. want I was looking forward to going. Okay, um, when I just to kind of like a reverse engineer, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of like my thing. Like I love, so I knew. Okay, well, if I want to start grad school, I knew that was three to four years. Before that, I know that once I start that, I'm going to be really involved. Like it's going to be all I do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Okay, so before I do that, I want to make sure I spend a quality, you know, good quality time with my friends and family. Right. Right. So I knew, okay, like, well, I need time for that. Well, okay, you need some time, you need some money too, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay, well, nine months is a good amount of time. Um, and then, okay, I graduate, X, Y, Z. So so that's how I went. So, uh, so during my four years, I knew I wanted to do PT, so I got a health professions degree. And I did that um, mainly because I didn't want to take organic chem too. Mm-hmm. And, and in order to be a biochemistry, you have to take your organic chem too. And I was like, I don't want to do it. So, <laughs> so I heard a lot of horror stories about oh Orgo one and two. One and two. I was like, I, I refuse. I just didn't. I was like, I'm not. I just didn't want to do it. So um, they were and, and the PT schools that I was interested in didn't. You, it wasn't a prerequisite. So I was like, why? Awesome. Why do I need to do that if I don't? So uh, you just have to make sure you get your four year. You get your four year degree mm-hmm. or your bachelor. And then you have to make sure that you've taken the prerequisite courses to get into the grad school program that you need. Right. Right. So once you do that, you apply through, you know, PTCAS and then you get accepted. And then and then, you know, whatever program you're in, either three or four years, um, then, yeah, then you you finish. We talked a little bit off air that you ended up choosing a program that was a little bit longer mm-hmm. and was kind of a hybrid program. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Uh, and it was different. It was different. Mm-hmm. It was. It's not the traditional. Traditional was three three years right after grad school, so seven years total. Get your doctorate. Mm-hmm. Mine was four years, so it's a year longer. And the way that best way I explain it, it's like taking a class and a half less a semester, yep. right? So if you add that up for how many semesters, that's where that extra kind of year comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did that for a reason. One was because I didn't have to move anywhere, right? right. So the financial aspect of moving and having to live in that area, if you have to go to that school, so you save money that way. But two, I was I wanted to be able to work and make money to set me up for while you're in school still. While I'm in school still. Yeah. So I, I worked as a tech, a PT tech for a physical therapy company. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to uh, learn and kind of use what I what I learned in PT school and, and even if it's just being around it, I loved being around it. I love yeah. being around it, right? So versus just being in a classroom all the time. Mm-hmm. So it was that. And then the best part about it that I that I took from it was I knew I wanted to eventually open up my own clinic. So I spent I spent a lot of spare time, not uh, learning a lot about the business side of it. Right. Okay, what are the different clinics? What What are the different softwares? What are the different EMR systems? Okay. How How do they go about appoint creating appointments? How do they go about the marketing side of things? I I was in tune and curious about that side of things. So, and it's hard to do that for a traditional PT because you are, it you're you're, you're just bo- too busy. You're just too busy. Like yeah. it's it's. It is a difficult shout like out to too many everyone. classes at once. It's really intense. Mm-hmm. And so it, and that's OK because you do that and you're done a year before. Right. So essentially yeah. they get to do what I did. You know, in that year, if you finish a year before me, then that year could be spent being a PT and learning. Right. Mm-hmm. I just was like, I want to start learning now. Yeah. Right. So how can I start learning now? Like, I'm, I know if I went to a traditional, I would just be always I wouldn't be satisfied with how I'm living this progression of this journey. 
you wanted to be just fully learning it, getting the business experience while you were doing it. What did some of that business research look like in your spare time? You know, simple things, you know, uh, when I was, I worked for, when I got hired as a PT tech, one of the things when they hired, they asked me, they're like, what do you want, what do you want to do in five, 10 years? And I was Mm -hmm. like, I want to own a clinic. Yeah. And so my, my boss at the time, um, shout out Chris Burley, but, or Dr. Chris Burley, but he, so he would, he took me under his wing and, and he would always kind of, he, he would be open to answering any questions that I had, or and even more so, like he would send me, uh, you know, research or PDFs or whatever, what like podcasts or so he, he was a good, a good part of that. He was, yeah. he was my first like mentor to, to go, okay, hey, this is, if you really want to, so he didn't just teach me PT side of things. He was also like, hey, here's these random. And he was the owner of the clinic you were working at? He was the center manager. Center manager. Center okay, manager. cool. Center manager. So you um, got to learn about like with the management aspect of the whole clinic. From a day to day. From a day to day. Yeah. And, um, and then on my end of things, I learned a lot. I wanted to learn a lot more. I would personally listen to like podcasts, read things or read, you know, like read books. I would lock myself in like a, a Barnes and Noble at the time and like pick up financial books. Like, Hey, what, yeah. what just, I was just really obsessed with it. You know, mm-hmm. I was really like, okay, what is You the, knew what you wanted. I knew what I wanted. I was like, okay. And if I'm going to do it, you know, I look at, this is where it goes back to being sports. Right. I, I essentially look at my, my life like a, like a, like a, besides a being, a, besides being a yeah, movie documentary, but also like a sports career. Mm-hmm. Right. So if the times when I'm, when I'm not, when I'm kind of going out and doing those things, like at that time, I definitely looked at it with like, oh, it's taken away from me being the best this that I'm doing. Right. right? Like, a, like, like a professional athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, why is that professional athlete out clubbing on, you know, the night before a game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I look at it like that way. If I have a, if I had a test this day, what am I doing? Like, I need to, if I'm trying to be the best at this, like. You, your, um, your sports career per se is now physical therapy, like it's it's yes. your sport yes yeah yes exactly you just transfer it right over it's it, rather than being basketball you switch it over to now it's physical therapy yes being it's becoming the physical therapist that you yes want. and that's where i realized that i love the game of basketball because it taught me how to it taught me a lot but what i realized I, what i actually love is the idea of growth and progress mm-hmm. that's what i'm obsessed with I'd, I'd say that's the biggest thing i learned from just getting in the gym like when i did and like learning how to how to exercise, how to work out and, and, you know, being in sports as a young kid, like just the growth and the progress and seeing the direct result of putting in hard work and seeing it pay off. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It is. If you just keep doing it, you get better and better. Yeah. I, 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 the number one, uh, you know, ingredient that I tell people to success is really consistency. Mm -hmm. That's a fact that transfers over to anything in life. It really does exercise career whatever you're talking about yeah and 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 also going back you know it's funny at 14 one of the things random and random um actually i mentioned two things because um i think i i'm always like fascinated why i even thought this yeah right so at um at four and about nine years old my mom shout out to my mom she she i went up to her one time at like nine years old and i said mom if if we sleep eight hours a day that means when I'm 90, I would have slept for 30 years of my life. Yeah. It drove me crazy. It's a third of your life. Third of my freaking life. It drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. At that age, and I, I was like, I can't do that. Life is too good. Like 30 years of my life, if I live to 90, I yeah. can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. So, uh, you know, people, you know, yeah, luckily I have a certain level of, 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 I can, of comprehension, right? But a lot of it was I just have lived more time than people my age. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that is like... I, it got to a point where I was, um, you know, I got used to sleeping three, three to four hours a day. 
That's crazy. You know, starting at nine years old. Wow. Yeah. So that's continued? That's, it, to the, that's continued until I realize now I'm at a stage of my life where it's actually a, a detriment. Right. Right. So we'll get into that side of where, like, it's actually, I'm, everything happens for a reason, but I've actually realized that now, now I'm actually in my phase of life where I'm trying to prioritize sleep a little more. Yeah. Now, does that mean I'm there? No, I'm trying to read. I'm still at, I'm still at, you know, four hours and 30 minutes, 40 minutes, but I realized the importance of it through mm-hmm. mental, how it's affected my mental health and things of that nature where I've gone, okay, I, I have to I have to start prioritizing this a little more. But back then, it was my way, it was, it was how I, I, I made up for, it's how I became, you know, how I had the well, time to do things. Yeah, I have an interesting perspective on this. I read a book about sleep a couple of years ago by Dr. Matthew Walker, mm-hmm. and fantastic book. I think it's called Why We Sleep or something like that. It goes <laughs> nice. like, deep into the science of why you sleep. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend it, yeah. um, especially if you're getting more into it. But it goes deep, deep into the science of why we sleep and why it's so important. And I kind of left reading that book and we were talking about like, what does it mean to read a book? This is one I actually like physically <laughs> nice. read. It was that good. Um, but it, it goes so deep into it. And the perspective I left with it was, yes, it does kind of take away from the hours in your day, but the hours that you do have left after you sleep are going to be that much more efficient and effective. You're going to be on the freaking ball like all day long. And and it's definitely been true for me. Yeah. I mean, the more if I get eight hours of sleep in a night, I am rock solid, just yeah. laser yeah. focused all freaking day. And I don't even waver like I there's literally no I'm not tired for a second. Brody, but what got to me was. And no documentary, or I shouldn't say no, but they don't they don't show you the sleep, right? So it gives you this kind of skewed view of skewed it, skewed view of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, what they do show is a person who goes like, think about it, like the B row of 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 um yes. a beautiful mind, right? Like the B row of him of him at the chalkboard and all night and all day, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I got to do that. Yeah. That that's that makes the movie good. Yeah. Okay. So I know I got to do this test, and I know I got to do this. Okay. Well, I, hey, someone's recording. Hey, I'm, this is how I got to act. It's like one of those things you just kind of have to learn the hard way, I guess. Yeah. I know I, I mean, I'd say that I have that perspective. I only read that book a couple of years ago. <laughs> like yeah. going through my undergrad, I definitely, I would do these all nighters. Yeah. Like I would be, it was, uh, I went to UCF and it was called all night study, this little like study yeah, area yeah, that they yeah. had. And people would be in there literally like all, all night, night, just yeah. like hold up in a little cut, like not being efficient at all. Exactly. I would like, I, I started noticing, I was like, hold on, like the, the nights that I do this, if I'm whether it be writing a paper or like taking a test or something, I'm doing really bad work, or I'm going into a test like just really mentally unprepared, yeah. like and and just crashing through it. So I, I just start. It also helped me just be a little bit better about not procrastinating, mm-hmm. kind of taking care of things early and just understanding. You know, like you said, reverse engineering, mm-hmm. figuring out you have this do on this day and you got to work backwards and understand what you want to have time for yeah. between now and then. And if you want to have time to let loose do whatever on a day before, don't save it till the last minute, do it before that. hundred percent. And yeah. that, that, that's what it's all about. And, and, uh, Gary, actually we talked about this a little bit, but one thing that I, one of the, probably the biggest thing I took from Gary V, you mm-hmm. know, somebody that I like, I'm fascinated by like the way that he kind of goes about his things. But the biggest thing I, I remember taking from it is, um, uh, macro patience, micro speed. 
right? So if you want really organic things to grow and be beautiful, you have to understand in the grand scheme of things, it's going to take time. Yes. Right? So if you want an organic, beautiful like thing this. to grow, it's going to take time. Mm -hmm. But from a day to day, you got to be speedy. You got to be speedy. Yeah. Right? You got to understand that you have things you got to get done. You got to do it. You got to do it. You mm -hmm. got to do it. Keeping promises to yourself, therefore building that confidence to allow for you to have the patience. The you have to have the macro patience, but understand that that accomplishing that goal is going to have a lot of tiny, tiny little steps mm -hmm. that you yeah. have to get done quickly. And as long as you know that your the framework of your micro speed is for your macro goals, then you can have um, you can have the understanding that first of all, you don't have to have a perfect day, mm -hmm. right? Because your goals your goals are it's a big goal. So it's going to take a long time. Yeah. So as long as you just get better every day, right? So you don't feel like crap. If oh man, my dream my dreams are done. If I didn't accomplish everything I had to do today, no, 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 no. Our goal in this next in the, with these micro speeds is just to continue to get better. You're probably going to get more accomplished trying to accomplish everything <laughs> in a day than you are just by not trying at all. I mean, like if you don't get everything accomplished, you still probably got a ton accomplished trying to get every all of that stuff accomplished and building confidence with also knowing that it's not about getting a bunch done mm -hmm. it's just even, even if you set like two to three things like yo, these are my non-negotiable things i gotta do yes right and then everything is cherry on top and you do that every day you do that every day because mm -hmm. if you over promise yourself you're not going to be able to accomplish everything therefore you're now going to kill your confidence that was that was actually like my probably deepest kind of thesis as a personal trainer this mm. is the the point I had to nail into people constantly. Yeah. It's like people, people actually, this blows people away when I tell them if they don't have background in the industry, but people would come in like a new potential client or something. And I'd be kind of setting them up to like as a new client and they'd be like, all right, I want to come in three days a week. And I would be like, we're going to start with two, yeah, <laughs> maybe one. Yeah. Like we're going to start with yeah. one or two and see if you can handle that for like a couple months. Yeah. If you can handle that, we'll build on that. Yeah. But we're not going to come in five days a week and just burn you out no. because you're going to hate me. You're going to hate doing this. Yep. And in the macro scale, yep. you're not going to stick with it. We're going to build. We're going to make sure that you can do one day a week for the rest of your life. Yep. And once you get that, we'll make it two. Yep. And that and we'll stick with that. That's that is how you build consistency right there. 100%. One step at a time, one foot after the other, just kind of building on it a little bit at a time. A hundred percent. I love that. It's a great perspective. I yeah. mean, it's it served me very well. It sounds like it served you very well. One hundred percent. So we we got deep there. Yeah, I love but, it. Yeah, I, I like getting deep on that. We have not even gotten to this yet, but you kind of go through your master's and like getting your physical therapy degree. So actually, j just for a framework, you go undergrad and then you go straight to doctorate. Straight to doctorate. Straight to doctorate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That that must be one of the few fields that's like that. I don't I know. Guess, I, don't I guess know. most medical things. Most medical right? things. So the way that I kind of look at them, it's going to sound terrible when I say this, but it's a good analogy because people understand. Mm -hmm. A master's sometimes to a doctorate is essentially like getting your AA before getting a bachelor's. Gotcha. Right? So if you go straight into a state college that gets your bachelor, you don't get an AA degree. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right? It's true. Like, it's just your bachelor's. Yeah. Right? So if you get your doctor, you don't get your master's. You right. Your doctor. Okay. And yeah, that's, I think that's the case for most medical fields. Now that I think about it, you kind of go right into your doctor program. Yep. Okay. So you go right into your doctorate program and how does that look? Hard. Yeah. Hard. And um, you mentioned that you were working during it. Yeah. So you're kind of getting this experience as you're getting your doctorate that lasts about four years, I guess, um, you know, what was, how did you see your kind of path getting out of that? What did you want that to look like? 
man. So I again, I knew that the idea was for me to open up my own clinic. Mm -hmm. My mind was always because based on the people who are around and have done it in the industry is they essentially work for a traditional uh, PT uh, uh, and then whenever they saved up enough or whenever they feel the confidence to do it they'll open up a clinic that's the average path that's the average path maybe maybe five ten years after them working maybe 20 years of them working they're like finally I can do it but based on the way you've kind of set this all up I would say you're not one for following the average path no and, and again it kind of in a weird way is like how it's off the premise of like if I do it that way, my movie is just like everyone, mm -hmm. right? So I started thinking, okay. It's not a box office thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes it different. Grad school taught me, it was hard, it was hard. It was, um, so a big part of it was the fact that like, I went, I, was, I would work full time while doing it from time to time. Like I would, mm -hmm. go, I would only sign on really to work as a tech for like 15 hours. Yeah. But just through the turnovers of, of a regular kind of job, I would go from like 15 to like 40 to like 20. So it got those times when I was working like 40, which is a full time job to doing PT school at the same time yeah. was like, oh, man. And the biggest thing I suffered from it was my self-care, my self-love and, my, and my, really my mental health. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from I started grad school at a at 165 pounds, 9 percent, 8 percent body fat, best shape of my life. Right. Yeah. I graduated PT school at 223. Wow. OK. So you just like went in full force, like the health kind of suffered and yep. took a backseat for a little while. Took, took a huge backseat, right? Huge backseat. Well, you're in good shape now. It seems like you recovered. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's been a blessing to kind of go go back into that. Uh, yeah. The, go the other way, which is amazing. But it, it that's the kind of toe it took on me, mm -hmm. right? And so once I so during my last year of rotation, so the way that my program works is your first three were courses, and then your last nine months were rotations where you mm -hmm. do your internships. Okay. All right. At just different clinics? At three different clinics. Okay. Three different settings. And do they try to put you in three different types of clinics, like yep. three different types of focuses? You have to do an outpatient. You have to do a neuro, or at least my curriculum, right? You have to do a neuro, and then you have to do an acute. Okay. So to, what that means is outpatient is more traditional. Hey, you know, you can walk into an outpatient. Um, neuro was more like, you know, your stroke, your spinal cord, those, those kind of things. Gotcha. would happen for like a, an inpatient. Mm -hmm. And then an acute would be like if you go to the hospital. Right. Right. Okay. So th those kind of three settings, and they do that so you can be a well-rounded, overall well-rounded therapist. And, and probably get a good idea of which area you want to specialize exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and what made mine, I guess, a little more different than than most, or I should say my year, or two years, depend, you know, before and after, uh, it was during COVID. Mm -hmm. Right. So I literally did my rotations during COVID. Yeah. That was wild. wild. That was yeah. wild. And, like, the it was crazy. Um, but the thing that I learned starting from the first one and I'm so grateful was the first thing he did when he came in he was like he was like what do you what what, what do you want to take away from this mm -hmm. like I'm not going to be that guy that like like tells you oh this is the way and he's like what, what's your takeaway and then I would I told him I was I want to I want you know at the end of the day like I want to open up a clinic you know I want to get the, I want to learn as much as I can but like just know like I'm more than I, I'm a physical therapist by by trade it's what I love to do mm -hmm. right but I also have also love the entrepreneurial and business side of things. Right. Right. So don't neglect if you're gonna talk to me talk to me about teaching me, like don't neglect that because that's that's important to me. Yeah. 
talk to me a little, about a little bit of both sides. Exactly. Yeah. And he his eyes lit up and he was like, say less. Yeah. I mean, for someone who really loves the industry, that's exactly the kind of person you want to have under you is someone that you can teach and kind of pass on your lessons to. Like, and he was 50. He was, he, I mean, or he was, I say 50 years. <laughs> You'd probably get mad at me if I said <laughs> He was very, he, he was, he was, he had been in the industry for a long time. He was older than you. He was older <laughs> than me. And so he had seen so much and understood that and he, he, he had, he, and he was, I, the funny thing was he, because he understood the business and I didn't realize this until he told me we had a conversation like during, you know, during the time, cause it's 12 weeks in every place. And he goes, he goes, Kevin, I'm not even hired by this. I'm an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. And then he went into why, like, that's not the case. Like most places they are, they're, they're hired by the employee. They get their benefit, blah, blah, blah. blah. He's like, no, I independently contract. Mm-hmm. Right. It allows me to do my own thing on the side. Like, that's cool. He wouldn't have said that if I wasn't interested in the business side of things. Mm-hmm. So we would talk, hey, all right, well, we would have like 30 minutes after or an hour after the day of us seeing XYZ patients. And he would be like, hey, man, if I were to if I were to do it, I would do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. OK, I got to write that down. Yeah. Hey, if I were to do it now, OK, this is kind of how I would do it. I can see that kind of like curious brain at work. I mean, there's been a couple things we've talked about just during the podcast already where you're like you're taking notes, yeah. like saving it for later. That's awesome. So I could just imagine you kind of diving deep into it working in these clinics and these rotations and just soaking it all in like getting the business sense the the yeah. actual work sense and like combining those yeah and that's the entrepreneur side thing and then it comes from the physical therapist because that's where the insecurities come into play from when it comes to open up your own clinic hey am right. i good enough mm-hmm. right at the actual craft you mean. at the actual craft yeah so this is where i took this is where i i, I realized that oh i can do this mm-hmm. right first of all it's a long life um, path and journey of continuous learning. Yeah. Right? So I am, I am, I am refreshed to hear that perspective because <laughs> that's got to be one of the most pressing issues in the medical community, 100%. right? Is people having this idea that I'm going to freaking power through this entire course of education. And once I graduate and I finish and I get a job, I'm educated. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it how I learned it. And that that's such a problem because Science is constantly changing. Yep. There's always more to learn in every industry. Like you can yep. always do it better. So I like that you, I like that that perspective transfers over to that. Uh, it's a, it's my sport, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, look at LeBron James. He had to learn how to shoot threes, right? You figure out, okay, what do I got to do? And because of where I'm at, I own my own practice. I can essentially niche or specialize so I can continue to get really good at what I want to get good at. Exactly. Right? So I don't have to learn a lot about the acute hospital setting anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I can go, okay, I want to learn about outpatient uh, sports orthopedic, right? Yeah. Um, and we'll get into what I actually, th- how I think about that. So you kind of go through these rotations yeah. and... How did you end up choosing, what was the thought process like, I guess, in you choosing what that specialty was going to be kind of coming out of? Oh, that's what it was. I was really, I've always been fascinated about the the sports aspect of it, right? Um, Okay, like, and and the cool thing, my first rotation, I was fortunate enough to be able to work with the American top team athletes. That's awesome. Down down in Fort Lauderdale and Boca area, right? So I, I was right off rip. Right off rip, professional mm-hmm. athletes. That's awesome. Like, I'm talking about UFC champions, right? Very Like, cool. really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And the best thing I learned from that was, oh, wait, I, these people, they're really good at what they do, mm-hmm. right? They're not good at physical therapy and knowing their bodies, right? Like, that's my specialty. Right. So I can actually help these people, right? Like, what I'm doing at the point right now, and I just started my rotations. Because you would almost think that, like, a – a top top level professional athlete just has it all figured out 100 percent. like especially when it comes to moving their body you would think they have everything figured out but really they just know how to train well and get better they're really good at discipline Mm -hmm. 
right? They're really good at the mindset of, okay, I'm going to get something done. So you have the discipline aspect and they're really good at their sport. I, <clears throat> excuse me. I bet it's so much fun to work with people that are that disciplined too, because you know that like once they come in and you walk them through things, they're actually going to stick to those things and really yeah. apply them. They love, and they also love to, the really good ones, mm -hmm. I should say, they love, they're curious too. Mm -hmm. So that's where we exactly. kind of align. There's a level of, oh wait, that works. So they love to be educated. Yeah. But from that, so there was a confidence that was built from that. Now mm -hmm. there's an insecurity that comes from, okay, well, how do other people in your profession look at you? Right. right? I'm, I'm, I'm fresh. Mm -hmm. I'm fresh. So they're probably looking at me being like, he doesn't know anything. Anything that's deep, deep education, like where you have to get a doctor is going to be like that, I think. Yeah, there's like, there's like a weird competition to yeah, it, this right? kind of like imposter syndrome. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the one thing that I realized that, yes, intellectually speaking, um, I love what I do. So there's a certain level of like, okay, I love what I do. And there's people that are way better, you know, way, you know, at least because maybe experience or whatever. Mm -hmm. But even then, those who were that I worked with at the time, it was like, they might have been five, ten years in. Yeah. And I was like. The difference isn't that much. Like, mm -hmm. they, they felt like your peers more. They felt like peers, and I was like, "Wait a minute! So if I wait ten years, I'm only going to be that. Like, why am I going to wait ten years to open up my clinic? I'm just going to be that. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not that far, right? You were kind of like, think I'm already there, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, oh, oh, I belong in a pros, mm -hmm. right? If you look at the sports, yeah. like, oh, I'm here, right? Yeah. I mean, there's. Uh, I guess this doesn't really happen as much anymore, but it used to be that you could go straight from high school to the NBA. To the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, My, yeah. I think Michael Jordan did it, right? No, Jordan played for North Carolina. Oh, he Le did. LeBron he did. did. Kobe LeBron, did, right? LeBron the, and Kobe did. Yeah, yeah. But like those, so that that idea of like, oh, wait, okay, I can do it. I put enough mm -hmm. time, enough work. I love this enough to be able to do it. But the yeah. biggest difference that I noticed was when you're in the, the, the profession for that long, mm -hmm. there's a certain, and, and you're, you're kind of, Burnout is the wrong word, but there, but maybe it is. Maybe mm -hmm. it's the right word. Yeah, it um, happens. They lose. There's. I would always see kind of a level of, uh, they they lost the passion for it. Lost the passion. Lost some of the curiosity. Maybe like yeah. that so, like deep commitment to the continued education and all of that. And it had to do not necessarily with the profession. It had to do with the way that the profession is run, like right. the, the the business side the of business it. side of things. Well, it's so. This is such a trap for business owners, for all types of business owners, is getting caught in working in the business versus working on the business. Yes. Ideally, you the more you can work on the business, the more the business itself is gonna grow, right? Yeah. But you can only do you can only wear so many hats and you can only do so much of that when you have to worry about the operations as well. So that's like that is, I would say, one of the biggest keys to breaking, at least like the, in my estimations, like the kind of first plateau of being a business owner. You can be, yeah. you yeah. can be this great business owner and kind of like build this business that's just you doing everything, but you you kind of have the, inherently have this ceiling that looks looks a little bit different for every business, but yeah. you kind of inherently have this ceiling built in that you're never going to be able to get past unless you can figure out how to put the automation or the people in place that allow you to work on the business more than just in the business. You have to have a good, you have to have a team of some sort. You have to, for sure, absolutely. for sure. Right. And, and those, and those individuals, those, 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 you know, other professionals, mm -hmm. they, they, because they weren't on the business side of things, yeah. they were just workers mm -hmm. they treated it. And so they, lo they lost the level of like relationship building with people. Right. Right. They forgot mm -hmm. that we're in a customer service-based business. Yeah. Well, this is our skill set. Yes, we make them feel better. And yes, they kind of have to come, right? Or not kind, but they come because they're, like they say somebody come post-surgery, post right? Mm -hmm. They're going, but what we forget is the differentiator. We spend time with these people. Yeah. 
right? So the number one thing that we should care about is patient experience. And helping the people, yeah. So when you think about customer experience, and even in my case, in my profession, we have what's called evidence-based practice, right? So we look at, okay, well, based on what's going on here, what is the best ways that you can kind of treat this diagnosis, right? If you look at it, the number one thing that you really see is patient education. Mm-hmm. That is the number one thing that helps people kind of get better. Yeah. Right? Because it is the the primer for people to be open-minded to what you're about to tell them to do. Because you could tell them exactly what to do, but if they're not listening, what It doesn't matter. Yeah. One of the best advice I ever got in my life, as a, from professionally speaking, um, I, I, would, I also had this habit where any PT, especially when I was before I was a PT, I would always say, hey, what makes a good PT? Mm-hmm. What, what makes a, a, the best PT? I would always ask that question. And the, the, answer, the best answer I got was, because it caught me off guard, he was like, you got to be a great car salesman. And it caught me off guard because I was like, that sounds sketchy. Right. Everyone has that kind of preconceived notion of the sleazy car salesman. Yes. But he, but he said, you got to be a good car salesman. What that means is, first of all, that person has got to feel like you're not, you're, you don't actually care about the money you're making. You're actually trying to sell them a car that's beneficial to them. Okay. Right. Hey, I actually care about what you're trying to find here. I know you came here because you're trying to look for something. How can I help you? Hmm. Right. And then I'm not going to sleazeball talk you into X, Y, Z. No, 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 no. I'm, how can I help you? That's yeah. the difference between a good car salesman and a sleazy car salesman. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and, and it's like, okay. And so how do you get them to buy in? In other words, how do you get them? You, 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 you tell them you're there for them. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you get them to buy in? Right. And then you help them get to where they need to go. So uh, because of, of, in, uh, from a PT, I can have all the skills in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about all the manual skills in the world you can think of, right? All this, this, and that. Also, the best exercises. This is how you do it, blah, blah, blah. If the person doesn't feel like you actually care about them, they're going to leave. They're, hey, yo, I'm getting the fuck out of this car. This car says, I'm going to, you know, the hell out of this PT clinic. Right? I've got a good quick anecdote on that that yeah. I, I've told it on here before, so I'll kind of run through it quick, but you'll like this. Mm-hmm. It's very relevant here. The personal training program that I went into, it was, uh, it was out of Gainesville Health and Fitness in okay. Gainesville what I would consider probably the best in the state. There's actually a physical therapy practice attached nice. to it. So nice. you can go shadow them. And I did a little bit of it. Like it, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's meant to kind of like feed into that ideally. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was like 45 of us, like huge program with like the best talent leading it and educating it. You actually can like enroll in like classes that like reaffirm your personal nice. education. Nice. So it was fantastic. But I actually didn't get the job the first time I applied. I had decided, I had even moved there having decided I was going to go into that program, but I didn't get the job the first time I went into it because I went in with this like really deep like exercise knowledge that I was bringing that like I had been working on for years Mm -hmm. and I knew that that's what I wanted. But I came in just like with this chip on my shoulder (laughs) trying to flash all my exercise knowledge and that's like how I came across and I didn't get it and I was like, so frustrated because yeah. I was like, I knew everything. I'd like, yeah, there's no way I wasn't like one of the most knowledgeable guys <laughs> like that interviewed for it. And so I like called, I called her back and I like, I ended up setting up a meeting just to ask about like why, why I didn't get it basically. And to her credit, it was really awesome that she went out of her way to do that. Like yeah. she met with me, like explained that it's not about like, we're not looking for that necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like you can kind of learn that as you go, but we're looking for someone that can educate people and that people like can form a relationship with that can form the relationship with the clients and like really curate that and talk to people. Mm -hmm. And so I came back in just way more chilled out, try to take that chip off my shoulder and just talked Mm -hmm. to 
it, they basically had you do like a walkthrough session, like mm-hmm. a whole session as an interview. And so I came back in and just tried to talk to him, get to know him a little yes, bit, like yes, form that relationship, yes. build that relationship as much as I could and walked him through a, a simpler exercise routine just to get him started. Mm-hmm. And, and then I got it. And it's that's I what it's all that. about. I love that. That's I it's like that. the same exact thing. You got to be able to form that relationship. And genuine. Like it, exactly. it, this is another thing. Is you can also fake that. Yeah. Right. There's people that fake that. Mm-hmm. People read that. Yep. Right. Even if they might not read it the first time, might mm-hmm. not read it the second time. Right. My my, whether it's a gift and a curse, and I, I consider it a, a gift until mm-hmm. uh, what I is I genuinely care. Yeah. Right. And the reason why have I, to. It, the reason why I can say like oh it, I, I can see it can be a curse right is because it, it can also it can also weigh on you so you have to know how to deal with those emotions right. Mm-hmm. But I, but I genuinely care. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. I think that's going to serve you really well in this practice. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about. So we had kind of gotten to the point right where we're talking about. You had decide. You knew for a while already mm-hmm. that you wanted to have your own practice. You'd been kind of working towards it, learning it. But you have this preconceived notion that you have to get in, do five to ten years, <laughs> yeah. and then get to it. But yeah. now you're starting to challenge that a little bit. What did your first step in the direction of having your own practice look like? I heard a random video on Instagram of a guy named Greg Todd. Who shout out to Greg Todd? He said, "He's like." Have you ever thought about doing owning a practice right out of right out of PT school? And it at that I was like, like blew your mind. It a blew little my bit. mind. I was like, wait a minute, wait you a do minute. that? Yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, like literally to the point where I was like, legally, can you do that? And I, I was like, hundred percent, you can. Yeah. And at we well, start to kind of work backwards and just think like, okay, but why can't you? Yes. Yeah. So at that point, literally from that point, I said because I already knew that I wanted to do it, so all I needed was the affirmation that it was literally possible yeah right like exactly it's so crazy like that it's legally literally possible mm-hmm. right it's once, not the norm not the norm so once that happened i didn't care about the norm i was like right i was like oh man this is awesome right yeah. like okay now let me reverse engineer yeah let me figure this out let me now it's okay now i'm learning how can i do it right out what's the best ways to do it mm-hmm. right because i now i don't have five years of being in the industry to realize that okay wait now i have to <laughs> Right. So I right out of P, right out of PT school, actually quick antidote. I because I, I I think this is important. Um, my first my first time taking my PT license, I failed. Wow. Really? Yeah. So what do you think happened there? I graduated in May. I took mine in July. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of life stuff that went on. Gotcha. Right? Like during that summer, during, the months leading up to it. A lot of life stuff that um, didn't allow me to build enough confidence goes back to I didn't get to keep enough promises from a studying perspective mm-hmm. to put me in a situation to be to, to be able to pass. Yeah. Right. So I failed my first one. How'd you feel after that? Devastated. Yeah. Um, wasn't I was devastated because I felt like I let down the people that supported me this entire time. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, oh, my that's God. like the big test. That was it. It's all if it, you can only fail it, I believe is you can only fail it. I think it's three times. I believe I think. Ever? I, yeah. Wow. At that point. So at that point, you're starting to question, like, did I just waste like you know, a lot of student loans, like a mm-hmm. lot of time to like, oh my God, you know, yeah. a lot. So, but the thing that got me through was the the select people that I really care about and their, you know, their point of view and their opinion of me. Mm-hmm. I told them I had a preconceived expectation of what they were going to do. Yeah, They're going to be disappointed. They're going to be like, they're going to shun me away. Like I had those thought processes for no legitimate reason because mm-hmm. they love me and care about me. But once I told them, they immediately were like, all right, what are we going to do next to get you through? 
I said, Love it. I said, oh, man. Okay, yeah. I'm good. So that would probably set you right back on right track. Back. And on top of that, go back to my, my first mentor, Chris, mm-hmm. right? So my first three, when you graduate PT school, you can, you can work under a temporary license for six months. So you have six months to get your, to get your, your license. Mm-hmm. So the first three months, I didn't work because I was like, I'm just going to focus on, on studying. And, yeah. I, my, and my life was crazy at that time, right? So once I failed, I had no money. I was betting everything on passing that. Wow. Because once you pass, you get right back into work again. Yeah. So I was like, I, why, I'm going to be, I bet everything. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, and got myself in create like crazy debt to be able to get to that point mm-hmm. and failed. I, I hit up Chris. Next thing you know, a month later, he was like, Kevin. So I worked. So he hired me after I failed my PT license. Wow. So he had that much trust and he knew my ability is different between like taking a test and treating somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. So he hired me under my t- my PT license, knowing that I had just failed and, but I had I had one more attempt at it, you know, like uh, within my PT license, like he just hired me, yeah. And I can technically, if I fail my next one, he just went through this entire process, convinced the management, convinced everybody to mm-hmm. hire me, and I can be out of there in two months if I if I fail this next coming up. Wow. Test. So he puts so much trust in me. Right? Yeah. Thankfully, I. So you go I, into that with the pressure of just a thousand worlds on you. Yes. Like, I what passed. happened? You passed. I passed, right? It's awesome. So for anyone who, because I'm not the first person that's ever gone through that and like failed, but it, and for future people who happen to go through that, like just just go to your loved ones, trust it, don't have expectations of what you think they're gonna say. Just tell them, and then and then work even harder. You know, self aware, see what happened, and and go to it. But uh, so yeah, that happened, and then he had already known what I was in the process of. He knew I was gonna open up a clinic, mm-hmm. right? Like he already. Five years ago, when he, or six years ago, but when he had asked, when when he hired me, he was like, "What are you gonna do?" So he hired me knowing that it was a temporary thing. Yeah. Right. Right. So he, or at least um, he knew that what my what my vision was. He sounds like just incredibly committed to the craft of physical therapy and and improving the craft. Yeah, and I think a big part of it, and I think he would say this, is that he also saw himself a little bit me. Yeah. Like, if I were to do That's it, cool. I would have done it like that, mm-hmm. right? Like, if I would, if I were if I were in your shoes, I'd be doing, you know, doing it like the way you're kind of doing it's it. It's the kind of people you want to find and and develop. So I'm super grateful for him um, and, and appreciate it. But he, so he, he hired me. So I, I worked purposely. Also, we had a conversation. I was getting, I was offered full-time jobs and, a, you know, a money, luckily, you know, I'm grateful, right? I'm humbly grateful right humbly i'm using that word uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful confidently that i was offered jobs and i i turned them down because they wanted me to work a lot of hours mm-hmm. right but you knew what you wanted i knew what i wanted so i took a started off at f- like seven hours to 10 hours to 15 to 20 but i didn't i, I purposely i'm not going to work more than 20 because i need that time to set up my business yeah right so i even sacrificed pay so literally right off the bat like out of your doctorate program and passing your test, you're already setting up. Mm-hmm. That's all. Awesome. Yeah, I like I sacrificed that level of like right off. The, mind you, mm-hmm. I'm in school since I'm so I'm 27 years old. Yeah, right. I get my doctorate and and then people are offering you X amount of money and I and I was like, and you're in debt from your student loans, <laughs> so it's like you, you and wanna, I failed and I just failed. Yeah. And so yeah. to have the the the, the I'll, I'm gonna put my foot down. So I want to do. Yeah. Right. And so at that point, there's a level of like. Oh, I got to make this work, mm-hmm. right? You're on the hook. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of I want to just no yeah, quick go. tangent there. I think there's a lot of value in just putting yourself on the hook for something, mm-hmm. like having big goals. And I mean, like you said, you failed at your <laughs> test, but you got through it and you passed eventually and mm-hmm. got back on track for your goal. 
but just putting yourself on the hook for some big thing, you, you see amazing things come out of yourself. Just 100%. committing to something that you want to get done. 100%. And seeing the bigger picture. And that's what it was all about. It was like, okay, I got to see this through. Yeah. Right. And and so, because I also knew I had a self-aware of like, if this doesn't work, I can just, I, they're going to still offer that job. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Thankfully. 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 Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, so during that time, so mind you, this is October when I got my license, right? So I, I would work on the business aspect of things. This is when, so I had to get the legality side of it, blah, blah, blah. blah. This is October of last year? Of last year. Right. Right. Okay. So I had to figure out, okay, how do you actually open up a clinic? Like, in, in I'm not talking about like the business side. I'm talking about literally like, am I, am I going to, where the, where's the brick and mortar? I'm going to get it. Okay. Am I going to rent inside of a, just somebody else's place for a little bit just to get the, just to understand and get good at the system side of things from like the software. Even just the commercial real estate game is a little tricky. It, it was it, tricky to find this place. I mean, oh, yep, exactly. like you have to kind of like call a bunch of people or just like look a, around a bunch until someone even like gives you the time of day to like, yeah. Give you an honest search. For and there's even like if it's not a class, like there's certain classes of, of, of commercial real estate that you can't even open up a PT clinic at. Right. Like right. like there's certain like, people don't even realize that that side of things like there's a lot. But there's not somebody doing that for me. I'm mm-hmm. doing I'm calling around doing that. Right. Yeah. So um, I I was uh, so I the first thing I did in October, January. So a couple months will go by January. I uh, I ended up renting out of uh, the, the back of somebody's facility. Mm-hmm. Right. I would go there on the day, you know, days that. I wasn't working my, my, my part-time shift, which is starting to pick up a little, was starting to get like even, I had to test the boundaries a little bit. You know, some days, some weeks would be 40 hours, some weeks would be 25. I had to be like, all right, I need to stop. I really need to hone in. But that that experience of working at that other facility, I'm so blessed for them because they, they nothing nothing bad about them at all. They're incredible. I, 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 I love what they do. And the fact that they gave me that opportunity is amazing. But it didn't it didn't allow me to, Build it the way you wanted to build, build it. Build it the way I want to build it. Yeah. I was like, this isn't the patient experience I want people to have. Mm-hmm. Right? So I one day, I, I, I bet you not, it's so funny how life works because I'm really big in like manifesting things, right? Mm-hmm. So I that moment where I called my mom, I remember calling my mom being like, ah, I can't, this isn't what I this isn't what I want. Mm-hmm. I want something more, right? Just, I know maybe I want something more, right? So that next day, it was in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, I park. There's this random person like walking around, she looks lost, right? I go up there, I work at this place for, you know, I've worked this place for a long time. I, I go, hey, hey, do you want me to help you? You know, where, are you looking for something? And she goes, no, I actually own the building. I go, excuse me? I go, yeah, she goes, yeah, I was just looking around to make sure everything's good. I go, can I ask you a question? It's like, how much is rent? She goes, it's funny you say that, we actually have a, a corner lot just empty. No way. Right? She said to me, X, Y, Z, how much it is? I immediately got on the phone and was like, I, I think I'm going to pull the trigger. Wow. What a what a serendipitous little thing like that. The day after. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. Crazy. That's amazing. And so fast forward, that was that, that happened in like uh, – February, I signed my con- I signed a contract because I had already worked in the building, right? Right. With with my other P, so I knew the area. I knew yeah. the the PT. There's already a PT business there, so I knew you can open up a PT business as well. Yeah. So I, I was aware of all that. So I was like, okay, I'm 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 signing contracts, sign my my lease. Mm-hmm. It took a few months to build out to be exactly what I wanted it to be, yeah. and then we opened up in May of this year. Wow, 
and then here you are you got your own practice yeah congrats man thank you yeah i mean that's that is so exciting like it's been like this thing that you've been working towards for so long and now you got here and then so so now obviously we're in um we're in september of Mm -hmm. this year so you've had it open for a few months how has that gone so far in incredible incredibly blessed Uh, but it wouldn't have happened and this is why i love what you're doing because it wouldn't have happened if i understood business right i I ended up getting um a business coach Mm -hmm. and uh just because i felt like as i was learning a lot about it there was some because i'm an anomaly in terms of like most people don't open it right it's more of a franchise or these big businesses not a lot of private practice Mm -hmm. i was like there's something missing because the way that you meet overhead if you do it traditionally, mm-hmm. I couldn't provide the same experience I wanted to. To give you an example, when I worked for a traditional uh, um, insurance-based clinic, I would see, and this was a good business, mm-hmm. a good business that cared about patient experience as much as they can considering that they're insurance-based, I would see anywhere from like 18 to 22 people a day. What? So think about that. You're I'm, kidding. If I'm working a, a 10 to 12-hour shift, I'm seeing two people a day. Mind you, you have to document for that. Wow. Right? And they they care. So what I mean by that is they tap out at two an hour. Other, if you work at a, like a other, I'm not going to name, but other more commercial meal places, you're getting, more. you're going three to four an hour. So three to four That's an hour times an eight hour shift or a 10 hour shift, you know, think about that. Do the math on that. Third. Right? Yeah. You're not getting, you're, you're not going to have time to form a relationship. One, no. you're not going to be able to keep track of the relationships. And Ask me what a busy day is for me. What's a busy day for you? If I see seven people. Yeah. Gives you at least an hour with every person. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because I became a, I realized I'm, I'm an out-of-network doctor, so I I don't I don't deal with insurance. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I have a, a contract with the, with the client. Yeah. Right? And I'm in, a, I'm, one, I'm, I'm in what you call a problem-solving-based business, right? Mm-hmm. So the way that is very different is traditionally speaking, if I'm working outpatient with, with insurance, so what they care about is, your ADLs. How can you can you get dressed? Can you go to the bathroom? Can you walk? Can you those kind of things? Your basic necessities of life. Right. Right. Once they do that, they go okay. They can as long as those are clear. Only clear. Hey, move on. Get get the heck out of here. Right. We don't want to continue paying for your services. Yeah. Right. And you get paid. And you go in every day and have to pay your copay. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm in a problem solving. So what the first thing I do is go. So a client comes in, and this is what makes us a little bit different. I have a. It's an interview for both of us. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to work with athletes. Yeah. Right. What is an athlete? This is where my framework comes in. I want someone who lives, want someone that that wants to or does live an active lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Now, what is that? Now, what what are the frameworks of an active lifestyle? An active lifestyle is, what are your daily activities? What do you, what is your uh, exercise like? What do you do for exercise, or do you do exercise? Mm-hmm. Sport participation, right? And also work demands. Yeah. So. The, the way you interact with those four foundational thought processes is what makes you an athlete, right? So even if you if you don't participate in sport, that's fine. You still are an athlete in what you do on a da- on what you do on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. You pick up your children, you you walk, you you know all these things, right? Your work demands. How are you? How, how do you athletically perform in that field, mm-hmm. right? And then your exercise. Everyone should be exercising. Okay, well, how good are you? Even if it's something as simple as, God, I, w- I would love to walk thirty minutes. I would love to walk. Okay, well, we got to get you to perform that. Yeah. Right. Or somebody who goes, oh, I want to be able to run a half a marathon. All right. Well, what part of your injury or injury history is stopping you from doing that? Yeah. Right. And then some people is all four. 
right? Because they want to get really good and be super athletic and all those things. And you can figure out what those things are so that you can do your reverse engineering thing and work backwards from that, man. Right. So yeah. that's literally where the problem solving comes, which is why that this, the, the business is literally who I am, right? Mm -hmm. So you reverse engineer. So, hey, what are your goals? Yeah. What are your goals? And a lot of people, what they typically do is undersell themselves, especially if they're in pain or going through injury. Mm -hmm. I just want this to stop hurting. Yeah. No, the pain is one thing. What is this actually stopping you? So, for example, my back hurts. I just want it to stop hurting. Well, and you're able to bring that experience of having seen tremendous things possible that yes. you didn't previously believe were possible. Yeah. yeah. Happen through physical therapy, and you can relay that experience to them to make sure that they understand what is possible. Back, so they undersell themselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I just want back pain. Well. Is that what you want? Or do you have your daughter's wedding and you want to be able to walk through the aisle? Yeah. Is that the athletic performance, right? Do you want to be able to pick up your grandchildren yes. maybe five years later? Yes. Do you want to be able to work and have a full day's work without popping pills to be able to get through? Yeah. Right. Or, oh, no, uh, I've never run. Uh, we have a client right now that is that came in with um, lower back and, and bilateral knee pain. So mm -hmm. both knees hurt. Uh, came in at a certain weight. Was like I would love to be able to go up and downstairs without um, without my heart feeling like it's gonna pump out his chest. Cardiovascular issues, right? Yeah. He was like, he was like, oh, I just want to be able to go up and down without it hurting. Mm -hmm. I said, was that really the goal? Like, or would, have you ever ran before? No, I don't think it's possible. Okay, give me four months. We'll run a five k. Yep. Wait, what? You just you keep zooming in to what they really really want. Like what do you, the, what's gonna make you happy? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. You take it a step further and a step further. Exactly. And then and then through like I said through my experience, I understand what they're actually what is the potential what they're doing based on the knowledge I have with you know seeing and also my so three di three things evidence based, patient experience and my own experience is what makes up the pie of what I think you're able to do from a potential standpoint. Okay. All right. So that that client, you know, four months later is actually tomorrow, ironically, we're running our 5K tomorrow. He dropped 60 pounds, no no back pain, no knee pain. Now he can deadlift, now he can bench or, or squat, now he can wow. do lunges, everything like that, right? So you reverse engineer and the and the what makes it really different is we pay, based on the contract that we negotiate, based on the severity of what's going on, we pay up front, right? For the eventual goal. Yes. Wow, that's interesting. I've never heard that model. Yes. and the, Or if it's like depending on the amount, okay, we might separate it into, you know, two to three payments or whatever, right. whatever, whatever depending on the situation, mm -hmm. right? That's where the learning how to how to be a business person, whatever comes into play, right? You got to yeah. put on the hat. But, uh, and now do you, you mentioned that a busy day for you is like seven, seeing like seven people. Do you kind of have a, a set, like a preset cap on the amount of clients that you would take? You'll love this. What's a, what's a typical MBA roster? Uh, is it? It's like seven or eight. So no, it's more than that, mm -hmm. right? It's like it's more like eleven. So it's, it's typically the max of deal goes by fifteen. Fifteen, right? okay. And okay. roster. Yeah. So that's the max amount of clients I'll keep on my roster. I love it. Right. It's literally it. so you see yeah, how yeah. I incorporate. Yeah. So like I. So that's another thing. I don't. I. I look at it as like if there's more than fifteen people that that want to work with me, which mm -hmm. I'm, I'll, I'll be blessed for. Then instead of me spreading myself thin. Yeah. And going nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna bend my rule and go more than fifteen. No, I just realized that maybe that just means I gotta charge a little more. Yeah, right? exactly. I'm gonna keep my patient experience. It means so much to me. You're gonna keep your patient experience, and you're gonna be working with the kind of people that you want to be working with. Yes. Because the kind of person that is willing to pay that extra price for it is gonna be the kind of person that is really, really coming in dedicated mm -hmm. to 
getting it done, making sure that whatever their goal is, is mm -hmm. going to happen. And it's not, people think it's like these high level athletes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it's the professional basketball player. No, that's like the 1% of your clientele. Yeah. Like it is, no, it is the, 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 the average Joe that loves to live an active, like that wants to be active with their family and that like that really generally cares about their health. Like mm -hmm. that's who I love to work with. And, and the cool thing about paying upfront like that, that makes it different from traditional is there's a couple things that happens. Like I'm very open and honest about this. Mm -hmm. When you, if you pay a, a good, um, a premium, right? First of all, you get premium experience. Yes. But you get premium accountability and premium buy-in. Yeah. Right. You just spent, you spent, you spent money. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to go. Yeah. Right. It's true. And guess you're what? on the hook. So, so they're on the hook. And mm -hmm. the best part about that is there's a couple things. Like I said, I'm open and honest. So, all right, let's talk about why I do this, mm -hmm. right? And I, they're there. This is a part of the conversation we have when it comes to the point where either I've realized that this is somebody I want to work with, right? And, or they've realized that they want to work with me. Is I go, if because you pay the premium, whatever it is, one, you're unhooked. But also, if you miss a visit, traditionally speaking, I don't get your copay. Right. Right. You kind of like that you miss a visit. Like, oh, I just save, you know, 50, 40, 80, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You miss a visit with me. You already paid for you it. You already paid for it. Yeah. You're screwing yourself over. You're screwing yourself over. Yeah. Right? That's so That puts them on the hook to show up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the cancellation rate is, is 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 very, very low. Yeah. Like if, 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 there's some, if they miss it, it's because something's going on. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's one thing. And the second thing is, guess it also puts me on the hook. Because mm -hmm. guess what? The faster I get you better, the the faster that open roster spot gets open. It's true. Right? So if if, if, we're, if I... So you're going to put your all into making sure that they can reach their goal. Yes. Because if I get you better in six weeks versus eight, now if I fit somebody else in, now now from a business perspective, I now make more money. Makes sense. Right? I think it's a really great business model. Right? But, but, but that is very different. You can't do that with a traditional base. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the traditional kind of business model with with insurance and copay and everything is just, you know, getting as many people in there as possible. I really like this model a lot better. I look at fine dining versus uh, versus fast food. Yeah, that's the, that's the way somebody had had said that to me one time, and it and it was like, oh, wait a minute, like that that makes complete sense, right? Mm -hmm. When you go into a fast uh, fast food is about just getting in and out. Yeah, right. Fine dining, it's like I I know I'm paying a little bit more, mm -hmm. right? Which is okay because I'm also no one goes into it being like, like once you've signed up for it and it's for you, mm -hmm. you're, you're you're like I mean you're excited. You're all in. You're all in. It's oh an God. experience. I can't wait for the smells. I can't wait to see what dessert. I can't wait to, to the wine that they're gonna come. What what are they gonna do when they come in? Like great conversation with the waiter. Like the whole shebang. Exactly. Yeah. That means something to me. Right. Exactly. That's the part that I that I crave is the how can I present a a, a customer service experience based situation because. Me versus another PT, we can be really, we can be both be very good, mm -hmm. right? We're probably going to know some of the similar things. There's evidence-based practice for a reason. So the best practice, we should both know it. Yeah. Right? So the real separator from, from, from physical therapy is customer service and patient experience. Yeah. Right? And it's very hard to provide that when you got to see 20, you know, 18 to 22 people a day. Yeah, but if you take that time, you give the premium experience, you get to serve up your passion, what you're passionate about in the best light possible and really drive it home to the people and educate yep. them yep. and leave a lasting impression. Yep. Now I know we have a little bit of a time yep. limit here, so I right. want to make sure we get to everything. Yep. The one kind of question before I get to a couple of the repeat questions I had is what do you see as the vision for how you want Swish to grow? 
Wow. So this is something that me and, and my business and my business partners, um, we talk about is, especially since we just opened, is figuring out, do we want to right now be a lifestyle business versus a business business? Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you mean by that? Perfect. Good, great question. So lifestyle business is when you, you're creating a business to fit your lifestyle. Right. Right. So my I can control my schedule. I can do those things, but I don't really make money unless I'm working. Right. Right. So exactly. I can take off when I want to take off. I can do whatever I want to do. I control, but it doesn't work. Business mm -hmm. businesses. I got people underneath me. I, I, I make money passively. Right? I yeah. can go to sleep. People working. I know. I know they're working. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. I go back and forth with it. I've I've settled and I'm very happy with the idea of me where I'm currently at. Loving the idea, which of is more of the lifestyle, more of the lifestyle. Yeah, right? and the reason why is because I'm the fascinated is probably the probably the the word is coming to mind of of branding and mark and, and marketing. Mm -hmm. So I because it goes back to me thinking if I live my life like a professional athlete, mm -hmm. right? So if you're a business business, you're 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 not the face. Yeah, right. The, and there's going to be people under you. No matter how good you are at setting a culture, cultural, it always gets a little bit diluted from one person to the next. Yes. It's impossible for it not to. It's impossible. So I'm just out. I'm obsessed with the with how I can how I can how I can put my hands on on this experience, mm -hmm. right? Not teach somebody how I think that, you know, how they're going to do what I do, right? So yeah. I'm I'm just trying to be really good at what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Right? So I'm I, I love the idea of going, okay, I there's I think you're going to I think you're going to like this is I think of it as two different things. There's Swish Physical Therapy, which is the which is the organization, the Miami mm -hmm. Heat. Yeah. Right. Nice. I'm Dwayne Wade. There you go. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I I play for Swish. I just so happen to own it as well. But but I'm I'm the I'm the quote unquote star player. Yeah. Right. And you like being in that spot because it allows you to do your best work. Best work. Yeah. Exactly. Because I still love to work. Right versus the management. You see the yeah. I love the work versus the management right now. Exactly. And so I'm fascinated. Okay, well let me build let me build this brand as as Dr. Dr. Coach Kev and, and, and how I can how I can be an advocate for um, future business entrepreneurs in the side of in, in the in the place of physical therapy, but also be really good at physical therapy, right? Yeah. So like Dwayne Wade can't do the brand side of things unless he's not really good at basketball. Right. Right, so you got to know at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm, I'm a physical therapist, mm -hmm. right? But I'm also an entrepreneur, right? But I know stuff doesn't happen unless I'm good at physical therapy. Yeah, right. I just so happen to work for Swish, who, who is the franchise that I work for, that that you know I, I play for. Yeah, right. So that's where I see us building is continuing to go. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna brand this and and, and become um, whatever I make it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's almost like has this weird taboo feeling of. Wow, he's a he's a doctor, but he's trying to brand himself. Mm -hmm. It's like that's unfair. Why 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 is it that I have to limit what I can and cannot do? Because you're told you're, you're kind of told not to. Right? Yeah. Because if you work for um a, uh, insurance, you're signed. You can't do certain things. Mm -hmm. You're signed against it. You literally can't. Right. right? Makes sense. You can't sign a brand deal. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't X Y Z. You can't. You can't even take. You can't even take like record videos and like put post them on social media and stuff like that like it's like unless you, really yeah like because you're working wow you, you can't that's incredibly limiting incredibly limiting so they just like any field though they suppress and, and they're going to control by by a bigger hand because you're given a certain contract to say hey you know this is what you're working for right right i lose out on the on the security of that 
of that business, but it allows me to go, okay, well, let me, let me take it from an entrepreneur standpoint and build as a, as a, as a, as whatever I'm doing. It's just so happy. Do it exactly the way you want to. I want to, and my trade just happens to be physical therapy or a doctor of physical therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Versus, I mean, you see people like their skills trainers that, 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 that can brand themselves. I was always been, I've always been obsessed with personal training. Like there's so many personal trainers that are really freaking cool mm -hmm. that make a huge difference in people. And they have Under Armour deals, right? They have, they have Nike deals. Like they're yeah. helping out the, the foundation of their future, of their family and their future families because of their ability to brand. And they just happen to use this trade of this. And if you can grow your brand and have other revenue streams coming in through your brand, that can allow you to stick with that practice of just being the best physical therapist that you can be exactly. and forming the best relationships that you can rather than having to build this huge thing. Exactly. I like that. So that's that's where the vision is coming in is how can I make this two, 2K player mode as best as possible? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, I have a couple. We talked about this a little bit off air, but yeah. I have a couple kind of repeat questions that I like to ask every guest. The first question that I have for you <laughs> is say that you could hop in a time machine right now and go back and visit just a younger Kev mm -hmm. as he was about to get into just learning the field of physical therapy and eventually becoming, you know, a physical therapist, doctor, physical therapist. And you could talk to 14 year old Kevin and give him some of the wisdom and tips that you've learned along the way so far. Mm -hmm. What are a couple things that you would tell him to do differently? Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the present moment. So the definition of anxiety is the fear of the future, right? Yeah. So um, that comes with, you know, with, yeah, I'm curious by nature, everything like that I've always have been, but there's a certain sense of the, you always got to take care of your mental health, right? Yeah. So I would tell them to take a little bit more attention into that. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, it's okay to actually be present. Yeah. You know, you, you're not only, that's not only good for you, but it's also good for the people that love and support you that are around you. Don't mm -hmm. make them feel like you're not present. Yeah. You know, and that was something that I still struggle with. And, and something I struggle with a lot too. Right. You're yeah. kind of, you're, you're stuck in that, what's next, what's next, what's next. But it's mm -hmm. actually okay to go, hey, let me be in the present because it actually sparks your creativity for the future later on, you it know, does. taking that mental rest on that part of your, so I would, I would generally just tell him, Hey, cause luckily everything's, everything's kind of been okay from the actions of professional and everything, but enjoy, mm -hmm. enjoy it a little bit more. Love that. Yeah. Awesome. And the other question I have for you is this is profession session, mm -hmm. the show. I'm curious, what does it mean to you personally to be a professional? I think there's levels. So I always go back to sports. I think it's the it's the closest metaphor to life, mm -hmm. right? So you have levels of professional professionalism, right? So I always break it down to like you have the people that are barely on the roster. Yep. They're just doing the bare minimum, right? Then you have uh, rotational players. So professionally speaking, they show up. They they contribute to contribute to the team. That you know mm -hmm. they they're a positive influence. But essentially, you can kind of you can um, replace them with somebody who has similar skill set. Yeah. Right. And then you have the professional level of the good players, you can't really replace them, but if their contract comes up, maybe you can think about Might, going yeah. a different way. Mm -hmm. And then you have the star players you build around. Yeah. So professionally speaking, being self-aware of who you want to be. Yeah. One is not less than the other, by the way. Mm -hmm. Right? If they're all important. They're all important. Right? That's what makes up a team because everyone want to be a star player wouldn't work. It's true. So yeah. I always tell people, or like the, the professionally speaking, what do you want to be? Yeah. Self-awareness, I truly believe, is a superpower. And the more self-aware you are, the better it is, because then you can reverse engineer to be that that person you want to be or that person you assume to be. So professionally speaking, if you're honest and you decide you want to be a rotational player, you 
you really want to be the best rotational player that you can be, and you hone in on that and become that, you're going to be, you're and, gonna do great things. And if you get traded, you're not even mad. You knew you're a rotational player. Yeah. Right? Hmm. Like, it's truly like if you're just self-aware. Yeah. Right? Now, now some people, my my, the, I tell my athletes this for sure, the ones that for real actually focus on sports specifically, especially mm-hmm. high school athletes. Yeah. First conversation I have with them is like, what, what are you trying to be? You're trying to be Division three, Division two, Division one, overseas. What are we trying to go? NBA? I go, the most disrespectful thing you can do, professionally speaking, right, mm-hmm. is say you want to be a star player but act like a rotational player. Yeah. You're just you're not being honest with yourself mm-hmm. at that point. Disrespectful. I yeah. truly believe that's the most disrespectful thing. Not, not only because you might be able to – because you could also fool the people around you that are trying to support you in your in your dream to be a star player, but, you're, but you act rotation. Yeah. And so being a professional is knowing what, who, what level you want to be and being that person. I love that. That's a this is why I love this question so much. That's a completely different answer than I've ever gotten, but that's fantastic. <laughs> I love you. that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Kevin, is there anything else that you would want to kind of leave the audience with? Um, man, um, follow me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I will put your uh, I'll put all of your information in the show notes and in the description so that people can check you out. The only reason why I even said that is because I feel like every podcast ends with that. And yeah, I'm no. like, man, is this you a gotta time go to with say the, that? You got to go with the plugs. This is the time for the like, plugs. Wait a minute. I don't even know what the plug. Uh, <laughs> at Dr. Coach Kev. Yeah. That's really there. That's really the, the one. You kind of find everything from there. But awesome. On Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will make sure that everyone can find that. And thank you again so much for being on. This oh, has man. been awesome. Yeah. Please, yeah. hopefully it's not the last time. Man, Absolutely, bro. dude. This has been awesome. And I'm really excited to see you build out Swish and keep going with that. I mean, it's in the early days and yeah. they, it sounds like you're going really great places with it. Appreciate you, man. Seriously. Awesome, man. Thank you. Well, thanks again. And uh, this has been Profession Session. Thanks again for tuning in. Stay tuned for future episodes. And until next time, tuning out. Thanks so much for tuning into Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vinson. Stay tuned for new episodes every week and short clips of deep dives into specific topics that I put out on different social media channels. We could be found on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all major podcast platforms. You can find my guest in the details of this video or podcast. And if you happen to know a young standout business owner, professional, or entrepreneur that you would think would be a good fit for Profession Session, should DM me or get in contact with me anywhere and just let me know and they could be the next to tell their story here until next time again this has been profession session stay focused stay hustling and stay networking